When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Hub City Homers. This is technically speaking episode 71. We've had a couple episodes since our last rendition, however, due to the news of Mark Adams and then the introduction of our new mailbag. Um, Technically, that was 71 as well. It doesn't really matter. We're going to have more kind of content, more shows we're developing as we move to our new network. That transition officially takes place on April 1st. We're also going to be unveiling a new branding situation when that happens reason being is sports blog nation will retain ownership of our our podcast name as it stands we've already got the new name we're just waiting on the new note logo before we share it with everybody else um so you'll see more of chris you'll hear more of chris we're going to continue to grow and we're going to continue to try to push the three to four times a week so that you guys can continue to get content from us and we can continue to grow our network um, as we move forward away from sports blog nation Obviously, a lot to talk about from this weekend. The news in the basketball court is going to take, you know, kind of most of the oxygen out of the room. But we also have a lot of baseball going on that we're going to get to. We're going to talk a lot more just besides the Mark Adams of it all. We'll talk a bit about the Big 12 tournament. Um, At the end of this episode, Kendall couldn't join us for our actual recording, but he's recorded a a nice uh, break at the end talking about basketball, talking about the situation of the tournament and everything going on. So stick around for that, just for his thoughts and his take on what's going on on the hardwood. But we will talk as a group, Reed, Jack, and I, about the situation first. Um, And that's where we're going to start. Before we get to baseball, we'll start with the, the least fun news of it all. So if you somehow have missed this, missed our article, the podcast I recorded, any number of news articles or tweets mark adams has been suspended from duty by texas tech over remarks made to a player that were deemed racially insensitive um the mark remarks related to a bible verse according to the school mark adams has clarified what verse it was and we'll get to that here in a minute but he has been suspended and Corey williams will be your interim head coach for the big 12 tournament and the foreseeable future if tech were to win an automatic bid or play in the nit um, so we'll see what happens there long term. No decisions have yet been made about Mark Adams' job security, but it seems likely, if not almost a certainty, that Mark Adams will not be the Texas Tech head coach after this investigation But the school wraps up. Usually when there's smoke, there's fire, and the language the school's using, it can't really walk it back. So it would I don't see a path forward for the school, which means we will likely have a new Texas Tech basketball coach in the offseason. But that's speculation. What is fact is he's been suspended for now. And let's talk about just the impact of that in general. Jack, I'll go to you first. Let's talk about the team in, that's currently in Missouri, plays tomorrow. Um, you know, wh- What kind of impact does it do, have on the squad to lose their head coach so close to a must-win tournament to keep their NCAA hopes alive? I mean, you kind of said it best. It, it takes the oxygen out of the room, right? Like... 
This is a team that um, has definitely had its ups and downs this year, and so you're kind of looking for anything uh, close to stable to kind of revolve yourself around when you need to reel off, you know, three to four wins to get into the conversation. And so um, these young men are going to be looking toward a head coach to do that. I mean, that's somewhat, you could somewhat say that that's somewhat of a father figure uh, while you're away from your parent, from your actual parents and while you're at school. Uh, These athletes are uh, always in need of, you know, positive role models. And that's what, not just a coach, but these these people that are in uh, head coaching positions are supposed to be, you know, positive role models and, and, uh, you know, uh, stability offer stability to these, to these college kids. Um, but you know, it, it sucks. And at this point, you don't really know, like you mentioned, you don't really know what to think going forward. Um, I'm in the camp with you. I, I find it, damn near impossible for me to see a to see a path forward with him, with Mark Adams as the head coach going forward um it's it's unfortunate i, I i'll go i'll go ahead and say it it is unfortunate and um it's not anything that anyone wanted really i don't think um despite all the rumors you don't even if you want the head coach gone, you'd, you, you'd really typically don't want to, you know, um, just kind of, you know, just smear his reputation, which is what this is going to do. Um, but here's the thing. At, at a broader picture, you're looking at a basketball program that's had uh, that's had a lot of turnover over the past couple of years. And uh, you're looking at... Um, you know, Chris Beard leaving, then Mark Adams coming in, that offered some stability. Um, you know, he brought in Barrett Peary he, and Corey Williams. Um, you know, Peary, then Peary leaves because, uh, according to rumors, he wasn't uh, allowed to implement his coaching style over the offense. Um, so then you bring in Steve Green. Uh, so uh, this is a program that has had some sort of turnover for at least three straight seasons in you know, very important positions within the program, not just a head coach, but top assistants. So, um, it's tough and, you know, tough times make strong men. And that's what you're hoping that this does. Um, you have to start worrying obviously about the roster retention. Um, but I'm sure we'll touch on that, but, for this week, to keep it to this week and a, a smaller picture, um, Corey Williams has a ha- big task ahead of him. Um, this is kind of also uh, going to, I think, if you want to take this from a positive, I think this kind of frees up Tech to do pretty much anything they want to do. I mean, no one is expecting Tech to really even get past West Virginia tomorrow. So, um this is their chance to kind of play free basketball. There's literally no expectations. Um, you don't even have a head coach. So, I mean, what a better time to kind of just play freely and just play the game and, you know, kind of have fun with it. I think that that's kind of what this does. Um, 
if you want to take a positive look from it. Yeah, the situation is, it's the worst way to have to lose a head coach, right? Like, you know, I'm one of those people who um, I kind of said from the beginning of like the rumors of Mark Adams that I, I'm not really concerned with booster relations crap. Like that's important. I understand that's part of the job. It is, but like, the, the grown rich men whining about access to a basketball program doesn't phase me. And that's a lot of what we heard about. Um, but stuff that goes on with the players is, is the problem because here's the thing. These, these rich donors will continue to give money to the school. They will. Dustin Womble didn't invest like $100 million into the basketball program just to decide he's willing to let it burn to get Mark Adams fired, right? Like, and even if he did to some degree, even if he did, that's, that's, a, that's a problem I can live with. You know, it, that, that's, you can't fix what rich people are going to do with their money. But stuff that goes on with the players, like that's unacceptable for a couple levels. One, that will kill recruiting, right? If parents can't trust the head coach to take care of their kids, they will not send them there. You know, this is a business. It is about the NIL money to some degree, but there is still a part of this that is about relationship management with the players. There has to be trust. They want, have to want to play for him, and parents have to trust him. And the language tech has used basically guarantees that going forward, people can't. Um, you know, I was adamant. I wanted Mark Adams fired for on-the-court reasons. I wanted, if you're going to make the move this offseason, make it because the season was so bad, it just so below expectation that you just had to make the move. But here's the other side of this, and... I, I want to say, what we're hearing about is terrible, but I, I want everyone to understand one big thing. And that's the simple reality of the situation is that restarting with a basketball program is not easy. And you have to expect whoever is brought in next to maybe struggle trying to rebuild what we're doing here. You know, I don't want to be back in this situation a year from now with people freaking out if next year isn't great. You know, that, that's that's reality. But that's big picture stuff. Like Jack said, talk about little picture stuff. Corey Williams has a hell of a job ahead of him, right? And we're going to find out what the team does, like how it's going to go. What, what, what does the staff come up with now that Mark Adams isn't, you know, calling the shots? And we're going to learn a lot about who was responsible for what issues. Who do the players want to play for and not play for? Um, they have to win to advance, right? Like they have to. And it is not good, regardless of what you think about Mark Adams, it is not good to have a major, you know, program defining thing happen when you're trying to win um, in the postseason. It just it's just not good. But we we're gonna find out a lot about these guys, about the staff and about the situation based on how they respond. Um, other things with this that's unfortunate is, you know, I think Mark Adams I mean, it's just this. This has done such. You talked about it, it's his relationship, his uh, reputation that takes such a beating, and that's the thing. Like, I I don't know what the schools and ended up going to say happened or didn't happen in the program, but this alone, right? Like, is it's just going to be such a black spot on his resume, and I hate that for a guy who took over the program in a bad spot. But at the end of the day, you're a grown man. You should have known better. I want to be a hundred percent clear. I hate that we're finding out about this because I hate that someone, a grown man who I respect, would do something this dumb. Because here's the thing. The verse in question is relating to masters and slaves. He said, I, uh, there is always a master and servant. That's what Mark Adams claimed that he said. The school didn't clarify exactly, just said it was a biblical verse. Guys, I'm going to tell you, heads up, he didn't say servant. He said slave. This wouldn't be a thing if he said servant. Players may not have liked that kind of coaching, but he said slave. Right? Like, what's, what's stop beating around the bush with this? I had people trying to tell me, they're like, oh, you're making an assumption. No, I'm not. That's what happened. Right? Like, the school didn't react to the word servant like this. 
And I understand it's a biblical verse, and I need you guys to understand two things. First, this isn't about the fact that he's Christian. That's an asinine argument to make. And number two, this is simply about the fact that a grown man was stupid enough to use that phrasing with a team of predominantly African-American young men. Really, like how, how tone-deaf do you have to be to think that that was acceptable on face value? And it it's... It warranted a reaction from the school on premise of some sort of slap on the wrist. The fact that Kirby Hocutt's reacting the way he is, guys, we're building to a four-cause firing. The investigation's going to turn something up. Uh, the only other thing I want to say about this you know, quote-unquote investigation is like, Kirby Hocutt knows everything that goes on in the fucking basketball program, guys. He does. He knows everything that's going on in his athletic department. We gotta stop protecting this guy like a saint. This is coach number five. We're about to have to fire or have resign over behavioral behind the scenes off the court issues. Both basketball programs are about to lose their head coach over this. And the funniest part was is the last one, Kirby fucked up the investigation and decision making so badly they had to settle with her. You know how hard it is to sue a university in, in, in Texas? Sure you do. We're all Mike Leach followers. We all saw what happened. It's hard. And the school still settled with Marlene Stallings because of how bad of a job the school did handling that investigation. So I, I just, look, if you like Kirby, that's great. It's okay to like Kirby. It's okay to look at the fundraising at some of the other success, guys like Tadlock. But we have to start as alumni demanding better than a, an AD who's let the department have so many scandals. This is the least clean department in a long time at Texas Tech. And we ain't winning national titles anywhere, guys. We don't have a baseball natty. We don't have uh, we have the one track national title. That's the success of the Kirby Hocutt administration and he didn't hire Wes Kitley. He didn't so hire I, Tim Tadlock either. And no, and it, all he had to do to fucking retain Tadlock was just tell him, "Hey, I'm going to pay you 5 million." It wasn't like it was hard. He he I I just it's okay to like Kirby. It's okay to not want his job, but he has fucked up a lot of hirings. He's he's like he's fired two football coaches that he hired. He's extended multiple coaches where that's now been a terrible decision. We are all praying that the same thing doesn't happen with Joey McGuire, but we have to start demanding accountability. We just we have to. This shit he can't he he's the like a top ten paid AD nationally. He cannot keep getting away with having his program look like such a unmitigated shit show year in and year out it's been two years of this if it was any other ad in the country the school would have already moved on and the only exception to that rule sorry to hear this kendall is iowa where it's gotten so bad that their state auditors trying to fire him i mean like it is unusual to have an ad deal with this much stuff and survive it just is it and I, I'm sick of tech fans pretending that it's not, it's okay. It's not. We are in the news almost every year now with something horrible that makes the school look like shit, and it's Kirby's fault. And you know why it's Kirby's fault? Because he makes 1.6 million dollars to manage the athletic department. I had a guy argue with me about like, well, we formed a hiring committee. He could have ignored the fucking committee. Look, I don't even think Mark Adams in a vacuum is a problem that the hire happened, but it's Mark Adams, it's Marlene Stallings, tennis, softball, uh, I think volleyball. I mean, it's just been over and over and over and over again. The same problem. He's not managing it. We find out about it when somebody in the media leaks the story. It's just unacceptable, and we have to demand better as alumni from a guy who is one of the highest paid employees in the state of Texas. 
All right, Reed, I'm going to go to you, and I want to focus this question in a little bit of a different manner, which is, let's get to roster retention. That That's the story I think that's going to dominate the offseason, roster retention. How big of a deal is it that Tech is going to find a guy um, this offseason, almost certainly, and how big, how, is there a guy that they can go get that'll keep this roster together? Is this all just going to come down to the NIL side of things? Who do you think may leave or go? What's your sense of what Tech is going to be able to be up against this offseason? Yeah, I, I think it's going to somewhat depend on, uh, first of all, who you bring in and uh, who they bring in with them in terms of um, assistance and staff and stuff. Um, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have seen Grant McCaslin's name pop up as uh, a possible lead candidate for the job uh, if it is to pop open. Personally, I don't know a ton about Grant McCaslin. Um, I feel like, you know, honestly, I, it, feel, it would feel like to me the 2016 uh, beard hire, honestly, 2017, whenever that was now. Um, kind of an up-and-coming younger coach with not as big of a track record, um, especially at this level. It would be somewhat of a risk to me. Obviously, he's had success, but he hasn't competed um, as a head coach at um, a Power One or, excuse me, a Power Five conference level uh, with a, with a program like Tech. Not saying he can't build anything here, but um, as as a player, uh, I could I could see it being. I don't know if I would necessarily see it being a problem, but um, to them, they're like, "Who is that?" You know, kind of thing. No offense to Grant McCaslin, but he's not a. Um, he's not a, a Jay Wright. He's not a Coach K kind of name in college basketball yet, in my opinion. So um, guys might look at it that way. Or they could look at it in the fact that he's uh, probably similar to a, a Joey McGuire, one would hope, in terms of being able to build up a program um, and being able to unify everybody within the, within the program, whether you're a player or a staff member or a coach, um, and, and kind of buy everybody in from the ground up. Um, which is kind of what you're wanting to see. Um, I don't. I don't think Mark Adams has necessarily necessarily been bad at that, um, but I don't think he's super hands on with you know building relationships with everybody that uh, that the way in the way that Joey McGuire is either. So um, there's there's a few different pieces. Obviously, I think we would really need to try and and key on uh, in terms of trying to of guys we need to keep. Uh, I think Jalen Tyson's priority number one. Obviously, since he has transferred once, I'd, I'd be kind of surprised to see him move again unless he just really doesn't like the hire that we make uh, or if we end up re- retaining somebody that's on the staff now, possibly too. Because, um, I mean, if I'm being honest, I, I, Corey's kind of coaching for um, you know possibly a, a hiring potential. I don't, I don't think people really see it that way, but in all honesty, I w- if I was him, that's how I would look at it. If he can uh, get this team to buy in and get a couple of wins together, um, and, and push push to the brinks in the tournament or make a good run in the NIT if we get invited, then I think his name would definitely be in the mix for, for something in the future, um, whether it's with, with us or with somebody else. So um, just to circle back around, though, I definitely think Tyson uh, is, your, is your number one priority. I, I think he's shown recently uh, that he's kind of what we, what we thought he, he was going to end up being. Um, he, he's kind of sputtered off and on early, um, probably halfway through the season to me. Uh, he's with, he's, he's made big strides in my opinion. I can't, I'm not really sure if the, the box score would necessarily show it every time, but, uh, within the last month, he's played a lot better and more consistently, um, in terms of scoring and just, um, uh, of, of effort and defensively getting rebounds and stuff. So 
he's priority number one. Um, there's other guys, obviously, you'd like to keep. I'm just not sure if we're going to be able to keep him. Uh, I, I don't personally see Pop Isaacs staying around um, longer than he has to. I think he's going to go somewhere where he's got more fluidity to kind of just do what he wants on offense, uh, which isn't a problem. And, you know, obviously that, that may end up being the kind of offense we have with whatever staff we have next. Um, it may not be as, as slow-paced and uh, moving the ball around and cuts and backdoors and all that that we have right now. Um, it may end up being a kind of a running gun at, at some point, depending on who's who's running the show. So um, I just I'm, I'm not sure if he's um, fully bought in to what we can do, or he may just not want to go through a coaching change, which is you know by all means you do what you, do what you please in that aspect. So um, other guys too, I'm trying to think of ones off the top of my head, but. I believe Davion Harmon's got one more year left of eligibility, if I'm not mistaken. I would I would like to see him come back as kind of your your senior leader. Uh, I wouldn't again. I'd be surprised to see him make another switch because at that point that would be school number four uh, for him if he was to leave. So I'd like to think he would stick around for one more year. Um, and I mean he's from Texas, so I I, I definitely think he would. I uh, like to like to stay at, at home for one more season and try and build something up uh, in Lubbock again. Um, you know, also too, I, I'm not sure. It depends on who they hire, but uh, there are a few assistants on the staff I like a lot right now, and I'm not sure if that'll end up staying that way, depending on who's hired or not. But uh, Corey, one of them, and then you know, Daryl Dora's been a guy that's been around Tech for uh, numerous amount of years, and has been a big name for for that program for a long time. I'm not sure necessarily what hands-on stuff he has to do with coaching, but uh, in terms of guy to have in your locker room, I think it's a big name to, to try and have stick around and um, find a find a role for in the future. So uh, there's definitely uh, a, a nucleus of guys that I, I think we need to try and keep. It's just a matter of you know kind of fending everybody off and keeping as many pieces as we can to try and keep this program from really taking a 180 nosedive from a few years ago. You talk about Davion Harmon. He is a guy that we can bring back. Um, I think he's a guy that's likely to stay. For the re- for reference, only Kevin O'Banner went through senior night, so every other player could elect to return. Uh, I don't think AMAC will come back. I think he is likely to go to the G League or not the G League, um, the European League. I think he's going to go and probably try to develop his game in a professional setting before heading back for the NBA. Um, I don't think you retain Pop Isaacs. I mean, his dad's already talking about fielding calls, which, by the way, like, tampering's a thing, right? Like, don't be mad that people are tampering. Just accept that everybody does it and move on with your life. It'll just drive you crazy. Um, I don't see a world Pop stays. You know, he's going to get some really big offers. I think Jalen Tyson will stay. Um I think Davian Harmon will stay. I think you're going to keep a lot of your guys just because opportunity. Like Elijah Fisher and Lamar Washington are talented cats, but they have not gotten a tremendous amount of chance to make a name for themselves to stay in the Power 5 D1 level. Um, you know, they, they, those guys would have opportunities in a lot of places, don't get me wrong, but I, I think they want to play high-level basketball, which means tech. Who you hire will matter immensely for who stays and who goes. Um, I know, I think it's... Uh, um, LSU for the co- former coach on Wade uh, Phillips, I believe is his name. Uh, no, maybe Will getting... Wade. Will, Will Wade. Wade. Wade Phillips is the Cowboys coach. That's <laughs> the old right. Cowboys I'm... coach. Oh, yeah, shit. They... Uh, it's a long... it's been a long day, but yeah. Uh... Same Wade. 
it's it might as well be. I mean, it, tomato tomato. But um, he he obviously had some issues at LSU. For those of you who aren't familiar, he got hit by NCA um, sanctions, and that forced him out of that program. But they did win. You know, they won a good amount for that program. He brought in top talent. He they they had a lot of success. Um, and I know for a fact that Pop Isaacs' dad has kind of m- made some suggestion that he would like that. But again, I, I, I think how we got into, the, into this mess was or was was hiring a player, uh, a coach that a player kind of wanted, right? Like the players wanted Mark Adams to come back. That's why we kept TJ and Kevin McCullough last year. And I think that's short-term thinking. you got to think long-term with this hire. You just have to. We cannot be back in this spot a few years from now. Um, I really like Rodney Terry. You know, th- th- this is a guy who inherited a Texas team. As bad as the spot is that Tech is in now, what happened with Chris Beard was infinitely worse. And I, I mean that that's not to play like a who's more terrible game. I'm not trying to do that to anybody listening out there. I'm just saying, imagine you wake up to news that your head coach has been arrested, um, that you don't know if he's even legally going to be okay. You know, this is after, you know, are already dealing with the, the, the Morris situation all off season. This is now your best, you're sitting here as Texas with all these expectations, all these, the weight of all the crushing failures of previous talented teams. And suddenly you lose the guy who's responsible for bringing you all here. And then Rodney Terry steps in, this relatively unknown um, guy, you know, well-respected, a great coach, but it's not somebody anybody really knew before the season started. Um, And suddenly he's the front man. He's running the show. Um, And you're winning at such a high level despite all that adversity. You know, they they were close to winning a share of the Big 12 title. They were very close to getting that done. So I, I think Texas will ultimately elect to chase after a guy like Calipari or, or maybe uh, 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 Jay Wright or, you know, fuck, they may even call Coach K, see if they can get him out of retirement. They like flashy hires. But Roddy Terry's a fantastic coach, and you make him say no, even if Texas pursues him. Worst case scenario, you bid up his salary because he is he is the best option on the table. Grant McCaslin is is a good option, but I've also heard mixed things about the offensive system he runs. Um, and to be honest, I just don't really want to sit through another slog fest offense. I, I want a more fun brand of basketball because we're finding out right now what happens when you play bad offense and your defense isn't up to the elite level it needs to be. It's not good. Uh, um, you know, I, I'd rather some sort of balance. Um, I know some people even suggested maybe Coach Peary. I'm nah, not really high on that one, but maybe. Um, a, a name I really like and another guy I think you make say no is Shaka Smart. And I know there's a very slim chance he would leave Marquette where he's in a great situation. They're having a great season. He makes good money. But you at least call him and check his polls because I think he'd win here. And I think if you get any of these names, right, the names I listed, all of them, um, you, the, you'll have a good chance to keep your roster together. And there are great basketball coaches out there that will come to Tech and, and help you keep this roster together. NIL is going to matter a lot. Managing the parents is going to matter a lot. But you've got elite facilities, and you've got a lot of money invested in this program. You're going to be okay. It's just a bad position to be in. You know, It's just a rough position to be in. <clears throat> you know, Jack, Reed and I kind of talked about the coaches we're taught, we like, we don't like. Who's your guy and why? Who's your guy that you want to come in if we're making the move, which, which seems likely? So, if if you're listening and you can uh, pull up your phone, I want you to go to the Kansas men's basketball page, go to their roster, and scroll to the bottom. Underneath Bill Self, there's a man by the name of Curtis Townsend. Curtis Townsend is the longest-tenured assistant coach in Kansas men's basketball history. He's been there for 18 seasons. 
under Bill Self. He has not made any moves. I'm sure he's been approached. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure, and I'm sure this is probably a long shot. This guy hasn't moved. He's been an he's been an assistant, and Bill. We know Bill Self's not leaving Kansas anytime soon. This guy knows success. He knows how to coach offense. He knows if he can keep someone like Corey Williams or someone who has been with this team for a while, he can retain someone that knows defense. He knows how to win. He's been nothing. He has done nothing but win. He's never been around a program that hasn't won. This guy has coached over 60 NBA lottery picks. That's absurd. Like, so now all of a sudden you can't give me an excuse as in the recruiting game, oh, well, I don't want to go to Tech because they don't have NBA picks drafted high. Well, with this guy, they will be. He can do it. He knows how to he knows how to run this Kansas offense, which scores points. He can keep the tech defense. And you know what? There's a happy medium in between the offense and defense. I'm just sold on the fact that we haven't been able to find it since 2016. But at in the past, our successes come because, you know, even if we scored 60 points a game, we're gonna hold you to 50. Or if we score 70, we're gonna hold you to 60. You know, so there's a happy medium there. I think Curtis Town. You have. I think you. Even if he. Even if he doesn't. Even if he answers and says, "You know what? Thanks, but no thanks. I'm happy at Kansas. I'm the top paid assistant in the country. I don't even know if he is." But I think you have to call and make him say no. I say you double, if not triple, his salary because an assistant. Granted, it is at Kansas, but an assistant can't be making what you can offer at tech you have and again like you said maybe you have top five facilities you have people that are have already invested and are willing to invest and can you imagine getting a winning coach like that in here a guy that is proven even granted it is as an assistant yes but he is a proven winner not just at the power five level but in your conference at a blue blood team in your conference I think this is the guy that you absolutely have to give a call. You have to, like you mentioned, my uh, make it with Shaka Smart. You know, you have to check his pulse, and he doesn't just know how to win. And my one knock, I will say this: my one knock on Shaka Smart, uh, depending on how they do this year in the tournament, is his postseason resume. It's just not that hot. Um, other than that one year with VCU where they made like a run to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight or whatever it was. Um, other than that, there hasn't been like sustained success. Um, but this guy has that experience. Again, it's not as a head coach. It's as an assistant. But he's been to three national championship games. He's been to four Final Fours. He's been to eight Elite Eights. He's been to 20 Sweet 16s or however many Sweet 16s. He's been... He's been to the Sweet 16 almost every year he's been the coach at Kansas. He's been there for 18 seasons. So, like, I think you have to call this guy and make him at least say no. At least test the waters. This isn't the time to to limit yourself. We've all talked about this, and this isn't some underwhelming job at the, at the bottom floor of the Big 12. It was... It used to be, and like it sucks. But I'll—I mean, I'll be straight up. We had a shit 
program not that long ago. Not that long ago. I mean, you want to talk about the Pat Knight days? You want to talk about the Billy Gillespie era? Like, let's not get ahead of ourselves saying less than 15 years ago, this program was in the shitter. So all of a sudden, within 15 years, this program has gotten to, I mean, we're three or four, or God, are we five? No, no, we're like three or four years removed from a national championship appearance. So this is, this program knows it wants, you know this program wants to win. It has the donors lined up for it. There's already been a ton of money donated to create the top five facilities that you get. You have an incredible fan base that's passionate and that wants to watch this team win. You have one of the best in-game atmospheres in the country, not just in the conference, but in the country. And if you get a guy that has a winning pedigree like Townsend in here, I th- I just I think it's a huge missed opportunity if you don't even test the waters on him. He knows the Big Twelve. He knows the he knows offense because he's been at Kansas. He knows what it takes to get go the extra mile and get these guys to commit to. Because he's been going out and getting these guys to commit to Kansas over other blue bloods like Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky. They get these guys. These get these kind of style. And so if you start seeing guys that are committing to Kansas only because he's there or that's his that's their contact at Kansas, then all of a sudden he's at Tech. You might see some guys start to well, you know, Tech isn't Kansas, but I know him. That's the guy I talked to at Kansas. Like, I better hear what he has to say about Tech. So I I just feel like it's a huge missed opportunity if you don't even at least try and go after this guy. Have have some people reach out to him, you know, have him talk with have him talk with Womble or whatever. And I don't know how what all the tampering stuff is when it comes to coaching hires in the offseason. I don't know how all that process goes. But to me personally, I'm a I and let me let me re- reiterate this. I'm real big on Grant McCaslin. Grant McCaslin used to coach at Midland College when I was growing up. So I used to go to Midland College games when Grant McC- when Grant McCaslin was the coach. Um, he's a great coach. I used to go to camps that he did. He's a great coach. He's a great guy. And I think that the program would be better off. He used to be the, the um, director of basketball ops when James Dickey was the coach at Tech before they hired Bob Knight. So... He's familiar with tech. He's familiar with the West Texas area. He knows the people. He has ties. He has recruiting ties in Texas because he was at he was an assistant at Baylor for five seasons uh, from like 2011 to 2016. He could be a great coach. I'm saying that you, if he's there and you know he's there, then at least kind of you know stick your toe in the water on these other guys. Just check the pulse. I think Townsend is where you got to start. Yeah, you know, there's there's something to be said about going to get a guy who knows what a winning program looks like. And there are a few programs that have won at Kansas' level. Well, well, let's be clear here. Even though Kansas has not won maybe as many national titles or as big games in the tournament as they could, they've won enough. You know, that's a blue blood, blue blood, and they dominate the Big 12, right? Like, they dominate this conference. Yeah, they've had some near misses where I think they maybe could have gotten a couple of more natties and maybe should with the talent they have and gotten to a few more title games, but 
we're really splitting hairs between like them, Duke, and North Carolina and these other blue bloods to talk about who's better, who's worse. They dominate, and they're they're likely. I think they will repeat this year. Um, I think they're the best team in college basketball. A guy who knows that culture is one worth calling. But that I think this all speaks to like you're going to be making some calls. You're going to have some. Because um, if you don't swing for the fences in this situation, you're setting yourself up to be right back here in three years. And like you said, this program was dog shit after Bobby Knight left. It was dog shit under Pat Knight. It took Tubby a hell of a lot of time just to get it back to respectable. And he didn't even get, he made one NCAA tournament right there at the end and bolted. And then I don't know if you guys remember that first Chris Beard season, but they lost every single away game. I mean, they were not good. It took time to build up to where they are now. To where we are now, where we expect the NCAA tournament. We expect a round of 32 Sweet 16 chances. Um, we can't lose that with a bad hire. Now, we're going to transition a bit. Kendall's going to have a lot more talk on basketball. I thought we'd end up getting more into like, the preview, but the, we want to keep moving. I don't want this episode to be too long. We're going to be recording more and more often. Um, we'll be recording again likely Thursday, so after whatever happens with West Virginia happens and whatever happens next in the round of the tournament will be ongoing. Um, so we'll be chatting then maybe Friday to see what happens in the next round. But we'll be talking more about the actual basketball side of things then. Let's move to baseball because we had a lot of baseball action going on this weekend. Jack, the Shriners Classic in Minute Maid, Tech has historically not performed well in these events. I mean, I can't remember the last time they've had a good showing in one of these classics at a big league park. This weekend was really not that much different. Um, you went 1-2, and two, lost to Rice, who that's a pretty tough loss to handle. Lost to an A&M team that I think is going to turn out to not be very good in a marathon game. But you did beat Michigan. Uh, what, what is your sense from the weekend? What did you see, especially on like the pitching side? I think you saw a lot of youth. Um, I think you saw a lot of guys that are still you know, getting their shot, so to speak. Uh, I think that the the youth and inexperience is really showing. And the only, and to be honest, a lot of these mistakes that are being made on the field right now, pitching and in the field, uh, when it comes to errors, um, they're solved with more game experience. And, and that's just the truth of the matter. You're not you can you can take ground balls and practice, and you can pitch sim games, and you can do inner squads, you know, as much as you can, but. Um, there's not a real substitute for in-game experience, especially, especially once you get into conference play. When you're when you're going against uh, when you're going against teams like TCU and Oklahoma State um, this year that are that are going to be with Tech at the top. Um, for me, uh, on on the in the Rice game, there was just a lot of. And I think it was kind of a common uh, thing with some of the pitching uh, over the weekend. There were a lot of pitches thrown and just not a lot of strikes. I think some of these guys, um, I think you had an uncharacteristic outing for Brendan Gurton against Rice. And the, the positive you can take from this is that Brendan Gurton had what I would assume he would call a pretty bad outing. Um, and he still only gave up two runs. So that's I'm that's a really good sign. If his bad outing is only two runs given up, then um, I'm not too I'm not very worried about Brendan Gurton at all. Um, 
Mason Molina had a hell of an outing against Michigan. You know, he had 11 strikeouts in his outing. Mason Molina just doing Mason Molina stuff. Um, A&M game. (sighs) Tabor Fast, he looked okay. Um, He looked like he was a freshman making a start in a big league park against a top 15 SEC opponent, um, which which is what it was. Um, that's what it looked like, and it's what it was. Uh, you're talking about a guy that, uh, you know, he he threw 73 pitches. Um, just, he went four innings, and, and the big stat that, that jumps out to you is that he, that he walked five guys in four innings. Um, it's not good by any means. Um and then a guy that you had been calling on to get to close out your games, you know, Bravo, he blows the save, uh, and and he doesn't get the loss, but um, you know, it is what it is. You go in, you pitch two thirds of an inning, and you throw, and you give up four walks. He threw twenty seven pitches and only threw nine strikes, so um, you're not going to get a lot of success with those numbers. Like I said, I, I put out a tweet about it on Viva, and I said, you know, he came in, he's a young kid, he came in, had the worst outing. You know, if you're pitching at a D1 level, you're pretty elite coming out of high school, uh, especially if you're pitching as a freshman. So um, you threw a kid out there, and he probably just had po- quite possibly the worst game of his life. Uh, so uh, you feel bad for him. It's a learning experience, and... I honestly think in your next midweek, he, they didn't do it today, but I think in your next midweek, uh, I think you have to throw him in a situation where you can, uh, where you can get him back on the back on the right track and just getting him out there on the mound throwing strikes. Um, the errors jump out at you, especially in the A and M game. That's what lost you the game. Uh, you had two errors in the sixteenth, which. Or is nuts, but that's what uh, that's what it was. Um, I think you have to start looking at um, the pitching in terms of guys going too long. I think I think you know who your guys are that are going to give you some quality innings. You just got to make sure at this point that they're not out there giving you too many innings. Um, for me, I, I I look I look at Trendon Parrish. I like Trendon Parrish a lot. I think he does he puts in solid work. Um, but I think about after the third or the second inning that he pitches, uh, his stuff kind of falls a little bit. And that's no knock on him. Um, I just think that his his type of pitching would be best used in a short inning situation, uh, as as termed uh, I guess as opposed to a longer term situation on the field. Um, like I said, I, th- I think one thing, and if you want to go to the hitting side that kind of stuck out to me in this one, um, you kind of saw a team that was, that was a little jumpy. Uh, they're in a big league park. A lot of these kids, um, it's a young team. So a lot of these kids are playing in a big league park for the first time in their life. Um, you're playing against better competition than you've seen all year. Uh, to be blunt about it, you you haven't seen teams. Even Rice was probably the best team that Tech had played when they played them before they played Michigan and A and M. 
Um, I think they started trying to do a little too much, and you saw guys that are have been really good. A team that's been um, extremely disciplined at the plate in terms of taking balls and strikes and, and stuff. You saw these guys get a little outside themselves and trying to do too much. You can attribute that to, you know, like I mentioned, being in the big league park for the first time. Your your adrenaline's pumping. You know, you you want to hear a crowd that you're bigger, that's bigger than what you're used to seeing at home, cheer for you. Uh, you know, it's it's all tied into it. So, I think you saw the youth really, um, really rear its head. Um, but I think all of all of the games. Um, are perfect for learning experiences. Um, I think I think you answered a big question uh, in the back half of that A and M game um, with Kyle Robinson coming in and pitching six innings of essentially almost no hit baseball. Um, so I think I think you have Robinson back in there. You know he's you know he was going to get the start today against New Mexico, but uh, they kind of used that up in the back end of the A&M game. But I think that, you know, Robinson has kind of, with that out, and kind of solidified himself as that midweek guy um, that, God forbid, if a starter goes down in the weekend rotation, then you're going to have to call on him to go right back to it. Um, But I think that you can... If you want to take one bad thing away from this weekend, um, the situational hitting was really bad, especially in the Texas A&M game. You left a lot of guys on. I think Tech left like 17 or 18 batters on base, or runners on base, I should say. Um, the the hitting with runners in scoring position was terrible. It was like 2 for 17 or something like that, or 1 for 18 or something. It was terrible. Um that's stuff that plagued us last year, and so it's kind of alarming to see that again. But I think that, like I said, it's a young team, uh, learning, learn from mistakes and keep moving forward. The thing that sucks, and it's kind of crazy, uh, you play 16 innings, weird, I always say, weird shit happens after about the 12th inning. Um, you effectively threw a nine-inning no-hitter against Texas A&M in this game um, with uh, with your relievers from the 5th inning to the 14th inning. Um, Texas A&M did not have a hit. They got on with walks, and, and so all of their base runners were from walks. Uh, so from the 5th inning to the 14th, A&M got no hit. So that's essentially a full baseball game of no-hit baseball from the Tech relievers. Um which can be taken both as a positive for pitching and a negative that you can't win a game that you threw a no hitter. Uh, so, um, like I said, I think you saw a lot of youth, but I think you saw a lot of good things. I think you saw a lot of good flashes. Um, but I think the team, I think I fucking hate saying this because Kendall's not here. I know he's just going to give me shit for it. I think you'll learn a lot about the team when they play Iowa this weekend. Iowa's already beaten the number one team in the country in LSU in a, in a tournament earlier this year. Um, they actually took our spot in the rankings that D one dropped us out of, which is asinine, but we'll get to that, to that a different day. It's early. It doesn't really matter, but it's the principle of the thing for me. Um, but like I mentioned, they'll, you'll learn a lot about the team when they play a power five, uh, opponent, even though it's at home, it's a it's a three game weekend series. Like everything else will be, so um, 
this is going to be the last three-game weekend series before conference play this weekend. So um, you start conference play a week from Friday against Oklahoma State in Lubbock. So um, if, whether you like it or not, conference play is coming, and it's about to be here. So this team has got to uh, figure out what it's about pretty quickly. All righty, we're going to wrap it up here. I'm going to bring it to a close as that basketball talk. Like I said, stick around after this to listen to Kendall talk about um, the basketball th- side of things again. He's going to give his thoughts about 10, 15 minutes of action there. He'll close us out from there. We'll be back later this week. It kind of depends on how the Big 12 tournament's going when we record. Um, stay tuned for this weekend and next week when Chris's mailbag comes back. I think he did a great job. So we're gonna con- you'll continue to see more of him, and we're going to continue to con- shape up how we're going to proceed with the future um, with the new network. Hope you guys enjoy, you know, whatever happens with the basketball program. Just remember that the players, you know, who, who choose to stay at Tech or the, deserve our support. The ones who choose to leave do as well. And even if they transfer in conference, right? Like, you know, I, I personally am all about booing guys. You go to conference rivals, all that jazz. But just remember that they are people, you know. It should be about basketball. You can hate where they play and not hate the guy. Um, I think that's what that means. You know, don't death threats, any of that nonsense that happens. And it's not, it's every fan base. It's not tech specific. There's always a couple of crazy people out there. Just, you know, temper your expectations of, of the roster of the future so that you're not too disappointed by what you see. And just remember that the guys who stay really want to be here and they want to win for us. Um, so hopefully we will find out shortly. If you make the NCAA tournament, I bet they they hold off on the news, so it could be a minute. But if the season ends, hopefully they do not spend long trying to get the next guy into the program if that's what they're going to do. All right, I'll sign off now, everybody. Wreck them. Enjoy the rest of your day, evening, whenever. Remember to like, subscribe, follow, whatever you do on whatever platform. We're everywhere. Or just read the article on Viva the Matadors where the uh, podcast is embedded. Having a good one. Hey, guys. It's Kendall here. Um, really, I'm just kind of here to give my thoughts on the Mark Adams situation and kind of just give an input on what I think is going to happen for Tech in the Big 12 tournament. Um, You know, I'm just going to kind of get started here first and foremost, uh, just talking about the kind of ugly situation with Mark Adams. Um, It's an unfortunate situation, obviously. Um, And one that... You know, it's hard to give a lot of thoughts on because we don't necessarily know all the facts and you don't want to speculate about who is who and, you know, what was said and all that. But going based off the facts we know, um, you know, Coach Adams quoted a Bible verse that, you know, mentioned just some things that in today's day and age, I think you just kind of have to know better. Um, you know, any reference of any, you know, slavery and such, which it's obvious that that scripture, that's not the only point in that, but that's what's going to be taken from it. And, um, it's just an ugly, ugly situation because we've heard all year about different behind the scenes issues within the program and we didn't necessarily know what they were but this kind of adds on to it and who knows this could be 
something that brings out even more stuff from this season. Um, you know, and I like this like the saying goes where there's smoke there's fire and uh I think this is one of those situations. Um and obviously Coach Adams is suspended right now. He's being investigated and they're getting the thoughts of, you know, players, coaches within the program. But I'm just gonna say this. Do I think that Coach Adams is a racist man? Absolutely not. You know, he has been coaching with Tech now for, um, I think, what is it, six, seven years. Started as an assistant, obviously. And no former players have ever came out and said anything of of the sorts of that. But he is a very religious man. Everyone knows that. And, you know, there are just certain things that, quoting the Bible, nobody has issues with that. You know, people are religious. That is just things that happen but you know when you are a leader of a lot of african-american men to quote the scripture that he did it's just not okay and bottom line is it's very obvious it's not going to be tolerated um i see a lot of media picking up the story and um kind of trying to skew it to make it sound like he's being suspended for being a religious man, but that's just not the case. There's a lot more that goes into that. And, um, you know, there's rumors of him also spitting on a player, but I'm not going to get into that because none of that has been confirmed. This is more so just about the, uh, you know, the quoting of the Bible and that sort of thing. But I, I'm not going to speculate on anything. I don't know what will happen with Coach Adams. Don't know if Tech will move on. I feel like it's kind of hard to move forward with Coach Adams after this because I I don't want to speak for the players, but it does seem like there's some bad blood there. And I, at the end of the day, you don't want to risk the future of the program no matter what. So it's kind of just a wait-and-see situation, but it doesn't look great. But let's kind of just move on to what's at hand, which is the uh, Big 12 tournament. Uh, Coach Corey Williams was announced as the interim head coach of Tech for the Big 12 tournament, and I'd have to assume anything past that if there were to be, you know, an NIT berth or the unthinkable happens and they make a run. But let's first discuss what's first up, which is West Virginia. Tech obviously split the season series. Um, They embarrassed us in Lubbock, but we got them back in Morgantown. And that was the game where Jalen Tyson became an absolute star, had 27 points, and went toe-to-toe with with Stevenson from West Virginia. And, you know, I've said this before. Last year, you know, I went to Kansas City. If you've never been there, Kansas City, for one, is a hell of a time for the Big 12 tournament. I know there's a lot of differing opinions on if the tournament should rotate and stuff, but if you've never gotten the chance to make that trip, I highly recommend it. Um, Kansas City is a hell of a time for the players, for the fans. Um, The Power and Light District is one of my favorite places to ever go to. Uh, You know, just interacting with all the fans of the Big 12. It's It's a really great event. But moving past that, um, obviously Tech's at-large hopes are done. You know, there is no chance 
you get into the NCAA tournament without winning out. Well, what would that path look like for Tech? Um, well, it's not easy. You have to beat West Virginia. Then you have to beat Kansas. You know, what is essentially a road game. I was at the Big 12 championship last year. Um, you know, Tech fans did represent, but it was it was very much a Kansas crowd. Then you beat them. Good chance you're playing. You're you you are gonna be playing either Baylor or you're gonna play Iowa State. You play Iowa State. It's another road game. Iowa State fans show out just as much as Kansas fans. And if Kansas were to lose, all those tickets are going to Iowa State fans that are there. So, uh, it's a. And then obviously in the championship, there's a very. Very options that you could be playing. You could see TCU, Kansas State, um, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, which, uh, but the most likely option is probably Texas. So, you know, this this conference has been a battle all year. It doesn't get any easier in Kansas City. But I do think this team could make a run because we all know the talents there. We've seen this team compete with every single team in the conference including beating the top teams in the conference. Texas Tech, they went toe-to-toe with Kansas both times they played them. They took them right down to the wire both games. Uh, They beat Iowa State. Uh, Baylor, you know, Baylor kind of had their number this year, but Baylor's a really good team. I think if we played them for a third time, it would be a fun matchup. Beat Texas. You beat Kansas State. Uh... You know, you had a couple tight matchups with TCU that were heartbreakers. I think this team would love to play TCU again. Um, heartbreakers against Oklahoma State. And you, you split with Oklahoma. So, it's very obvious this Tech team can compete with anyone. Talent-wise, Tech matches up with just about anyone in the country. Now, there's obviously a lot of outside distractions that everyone knows about. Um... The situation with Mark Adams, interim coach. I do think that could give Tech a little bit of an edge, though. When teams play, you know, under this type of controversy, under this type of, you know, there's a wall that has to be jumped over. But this team has fought all year, and I think that this team, you know, could we see a little alteration in what type of offenses are being ran? I think that's a possibility. Could we see, you know... More Steve Green and his input on offense. I hope so. I really do because I think in a Steve Green offense, guys like Pop Isaacs and Jalen Tyson thrive, which I don't think we've seen that much this year. Um, Defensively, without your defensive guru there, it's tough. It's going to be tough without Mark Adams there to kind of coach him up on defense if you watch him and listen to him in games. Um, Ultimately... He is just conducting everything, which the defense hasn't been great this year, but it hasn't been as bad as what a lot of people think. But, you know, we will just kind of have to wait and see. There's not a single person out there can tell you what Tech is going to do, but I'm going to tell you right now, you can't be sitting there and expecting this team to make the run. You kind of just have to sit back and enjoy the ride because they're is no certainties. I think this team could make a run, but I also think this team could lose to West Virginia in the very first round. So, because West Virginia has a lot to play for, too. They're right on that bubble. 
Um, they would like a win or two in Kansas City to to continue to possibly move up a seating line and just get completely away from that bubble. Um, and after West Virginia, you know, Kansas, it's Kansas. I don't have to say anything other than that. Um, Iowa State and Baylor both. Um, Iowa State always plays great in this tournament, except last year, obviously, we kind of kicked the hell out of them. But uh, that's just more reason for why they would be amped up to play Tech after they blew the lead they did against us. No such thing as an easy game, but, you know, I do think Tech beats West Virginia just because their backs are going to be up against the wall. Um, But I'm not going to make any predictions past that. Um, But just kind of, when you're watching these games, just have these guys back. They need it. You know, it's been such an up and down season. Us guys here at the Hub City Homers, we, we have been pretty hard on this team. But that's you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And also, this team has been right there, y'all. You know, they have been right there competing every single game. Things haven't gone their way, you know, in a lot of those games. But it's basketball. The ball doesn't just doesn't bounce your way sometimes. But, you know, all it takes is a couple games. We saw that. Tech won, went on a four-game win streak, um, beating some of the top teams in the conference. So... Uh, just, just keep, keep fighting with these guys. Uh, you never know what could happen. That's all I'll say. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. Should be a really fun week. Uh, and even if they don't make the NCAA tournament, I know a lot of people probably aren't going to want to hear this, but you know, the NIT, it's on the table and a lot of people kind of look down on the NIT, but it's also a good learning experience for these young guys. Possibly help them teach them what winning is and possibly just help keep this team together. But, uh, you know, until till next time, I hope everyone has enjoyed kind of just my thoughts here. Um, like I said, I'm not going to speculate anymore on the Mark Adams stuff until we know more. But... Um, Let's just hope for the best, and uh, that's all I can really say. Wreck them.